probably one of the toughest things in therapy that I work with people on because immediately they're like, it's not me, it's them. And I'm like, well, what if? <laughs> and I have to walk very carefully. Give me on a second this. here <laughs> for me to put you down. <laughs> Give yourself a break with the self deprecating. Here we are again, coping on the couch with Courtney and Brian. We have Courtney Kelly, who is a mental health therapist. I am a long-time patient. And we're going to shake things up a little bit, Courtney, for episode 63. A little bit of a twist here. We thought it might be a good idea to simulate an actual therapy session with you, of course, as the therapist, me as the patient. The good news is there are so many things wrong with me. I haven't been able to address (laughs) everything in my own therapy sessions. if we were going to really shake it up, I thought I was going to have the session and you'd be my therapist, but no, Brian. That could be episode 64. Okay, Stay tuned. You have me on the edge of my seat. But something came up rather organically within the last week. And because you and I host a radio show together, you were at a birthday party mm-hmm. and somebody came up to you and had something to say about me, yes. which was what? Well, it was actually the birthday girl. She said, oh, tell Brian, I want him to stop putting himself down. I said, I know he does that. I said, I've kind of given up. I feel bad, but I would spend half the broadcast telling him to stop, knock it off, stop putting yourself down. But she loves you and she does appreciate that you're self-deprecating. But she said, he just keeps putting himself down all the time. And he's such a great guy. He's got to stop doing that. It speaks to Mm self-loathing, which has been an issue for me my entire life. So if I were to walk into your office and hypothetically say, well, mental health therapist, Mm -hmm. I had a friend of mine give me this very anecdote anecdote and talk about how I can be very self-deprecating. And many people have told me that I do this a lot. It's kind of a crutch. I have some self-loathing issues. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. And for the longest time, I haven't perceived it to be a problem because truth be told, I've made a pretty good living off of it. I was going to say, you have a payoff on it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it started as a defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. If I really had to analyze myself with the therapy, experiences that I've had in that I was always the youngest person in my class and I always felt like I had to work a little bit harder to be accepted and to not be bullied. Mm. So if I could disarm you, if I could make fun of myself before you could make fun of me, I was almost protecting myself that way. And if I could simultaneously make you laugh, that would make you like me that much more. And I think some of that was drawn from that. But I think some of it too, was from my upbringing. And in childhood, we've talked about this before, we've established that a lot of the little quirks and issues that you have, the foundation may have been laid way back when. And for me, it was parents who, with the best of intentions, were very, very hard on my brother and myself. And we benefited from it in a lot of ways. But in other ways, we've often felt like anything that we do is not good enough. Mm. So it's almost like there's a knee-jerk reflex when it comes to this. Do you have any thoughts about what I have to say about this? Yeah, just having that insight that you're dealing with this and that you've had this struggle, but that you also know that there is a payoff for you. You have learned how to turn it into more of a positive for you as far as, like you said, disarming people, also leading with it, and you turn it into a lot of humor too. But I can imagine that this has been something that's affected you, like you said, throughout. Now, when you were a kid, do you feel like you were more sensitive to things, to comments, to kind of the way that your parents were saying they were kind of hard on you? 
you? Did you oh, feel? Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. I was a very, very sensitive kid. Mm-hmm. I took everything very, very personally. And as I've become older, I've developed this very hard shell mm-hmm. when it comes to this sort of thing. And not only that, you talk about things being established in childhood. As an adult, I can tell you being a public figure as a radio personality, a comedian, a writer, I also feel like if I make fun of myself, it gives me license to make fun of other people because I feel like everybody is fair game. If I'm coming down on me, that gives me the right, right to come down on you. And how can you complain about me making fun of this group or that group when the person I'm making fun of the most is yours truly? Right, right. And actually, that does make for a logical argument. The concern becomes, though, does this interfere with how you see yourself in the world? Does it interfere with relationships? Has totally. it been something that, yeah. Tell me about that. Well, I'm a very insecure person, mm-hmm. and I may come off is very confident to people who only get to see or hear me publicly. But much like, too, I seem to be a very social and confident person in real life. I'm very withdrawn. I'm reclusive. And I think part of that is because I did take some abuse. Mm -hmm. I was bullied as a kid. Being the youngest in my class, I had skipped a grade, second grade into third grade. And it's not that my classmates were unkind, but it took them a while to accept me. Mm -hmm. And I think any kid, too, who even moves to another school experiences this over and over again. You have to make a whole new set of friends. You have to prove your worth, that kind of thing. And in high school, I went to an all-boys Catholic school that was really hardcore in terms of bullying. And not only that, in terms of discipline from the staff, I'm talking physical discipline Mm -hmm. as well as, I don't want to say emotional abuse, but it was pretty hardcore. I mean, there were times that because I was trying to prove myself, I was misbehaving to make other people laugh and I get pulled into the office and we had a disciplinarian who was like grabbing me by the shirt and bouncing me Mm. off of walls. Mm. And I would even try to disarm that person by using humor and putting myself down to say, yeah, you're right. And I deserve this on some level. When it came to being in relationships, romantic relationships, as time wore on. And if for whatever reason, somebody broke up with me and I didn't really understand it, it started to turn into, well, I get it. If I don't like me, how can anybody else like me? Mm -hmm. That's a lot of pain, though, Brian, that you probably felt as a kid, but that was the way that you coped with it. Mm -hmm. Like you said, by kind of jumping in before they could, putting yourself down. And also in the household, even though, of course, our parents are not trying to put us in a place where we're feeling uncomfortable, but sometimes they don't realize it or they bring their own baggage in Mm -hmm. and that can affect us with self-loathing, especially if they're upset with their own self or they're holding you to a higher level so that you avoid some of the mistakes that they perceive that they made, that can put a lot of pressure. And so I can imagine that it was very difficult and you were trying to figure out ways to get through it. When I dig deep on that front, if I look at both of my parents, I don't think my dad had so much in the way of self-loathing. I think my mom Mm -hmm. had more of it. And the interesting thing is they both had one really, really good parent and one really, really bad parent. But my mom lost the good parent when she was 19. My dad lost his good parent when she was 93. And I think that kind of helped him. And also, too, my mom's side of the family genetically 
actually struggles with weight. And she did her entire life, mm-hmm. as did her dad, who was the bad parent and who had a lot of the same issues and kind of took them out on other people. Rather than be self-deprecating, he would go on the attack. And I saw how that affected her. And I always try really hard to not do that to other people right. based on what I saw there. And my mom, I think, kind of had a mix of that. She could be very passive aggressive and cutting unintentionally. Mm -hmm. And I've come to grips with that fact. But as I have struggled with my weight through the years too, that's another reason. And I make fun of being fat all the time. Mm -hmm. I talk about being a fat kid. I talk about my husky pants. I talk about it now even. And in some ways that takes the power away from that in terms of it being able to hurt me. If I can joke around about it, then I don't feel like it can own me. But in some ways I know subconsciously it kind of does. Mm-hmm. And I want to give you a lot of credit, and I hope you do too, Brian. I know it's hard for you to give yourself credit, but here goes. You've <laughs> taken the situation, and again, I want to acknowledge you because you have been able to adapt and find a way to put a positive spin on all of this. But again, it's masking a lot of that pain, and maybe you don't need to hold on to that that way of coping through it. Maybe you don't need to hold on to the self-loathing the way you think that you do. Because a lot of times, like you said, it does make it seem like you have some of the power back because you've been able to kind of reframe it and take it back, like own it. Mm-hmm. However, we do things and it works for a while, but sometimes it starts to backfire on us. So I think that you being able to look at this and process this and saying, how can I shift this and notice when I'm doing it and have like a course correction sometimes and have some more compassion for yourself. Do you have compassion for what you went through? Yes, I think so in retrospect. And mm-hmm. I think some of my therapy has helped me with that, but I do feel like like I have some minor blind spots when it comes to that. And very often I get asked the question because in real life, quote unquote, I am so reclusive. I am shy. And you see this from a lot of performers. You will hear Steve Martin talk about this. You'll hear Howard Stern talk about this, who they are not the life of the party when it comes to being out in public. To the extent that Steve Martin, when people meet him, they will ask for an autograph or a photo. And instead of having to put himself through that he has a printed card which says this is proof that you have met Steve Martin (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of hilarious (laughs) but in some ways I think it speaks to the same thing and people often ask me I don't understand how behind a microphone you can be so engaging and be so in the moment and be so quick and all of these things but you take that microphone away Mm -hmm. and we put you in a small group and you're just so awkward and you're fumbling around and you feel terrible about yourself What is the psychology behind that? And I think some of it is, if I had to guess, and I'm just spitting in the wind here, for as much as I don't want to associate with people, I think I want people to like me from an arm's length. Mm -hmm. I think I need that acceptance in that way, but I don't want them to get too close because if they get too close, they have the opportunity to hurt me. And speaking of Steve Martin, I've brought this up before. People would say, how can you be that way and yet get up in front of a crowd at Madison Square Garden sold out and talk to all of these people as if it's the easiest thing in the world? And he Mm -hmm. said, I'm the only one with the microphone. They're way back there. They can't say anything back. Mm -hmm. I'm in control. But if you put me at a party with a group of three strangers, Mm -hmm. That control is completely gone. And I feel very, very vulnerable. And what's my go-to in a situation like that? 
I start being self-deprecating mm-hmm. to try to disarm those people and to try to get them to like me. Right. You're looking for that acceptance, but maybe sometimes when people do get close, you get afraid. What if they find out, quote, who I really am or my limitations, you mm-hmm. know, and we all have limitations, but I think it's really good to look and say, you know what? I am a really good person. Like there's a lot of great things about me. Maybe I don't need to have that distance all the time with people or feel that I'm going to be judged, but I think you do that trying to protect yourself, maybe from before where you've had these incidences and you've had to keep people at an arm's length. And I feel like I've incrementally gotten better at that. Mm -hmm. And I've also had to make a conscious effort at home. And I've talked about this too, being around my loved ones and especially my wife who says, everyone else gets the best version of you. And I get this, (laughs) whatever this whole thing is, where I don't joke around and I'm not as self-deprecating. I just get really quiet Mm -hmm. or I get cranky or I don't want to talk. And I feel like some of that is she knows all of my weaknesses. Mm -hmm. There's no way to be with somebody for 15 years without them eventually seeing what is your Achilles heel or what is your kryptonite. And sometimes I think to some degree, I might be threatened by that. Mm -hmm. And if I've had issues with people, big time issues, it's been more with close friends and family because I can't keep them at a distance. Mm -hmm. They get to see the man behind the curtain. Everyone else is seeing the mighty Oz (laughs) (laughs) while they're seeing the guy who's pulling the levers in back. You're much more comfortable showing what you want to show exactly, (laughs) and being able to say, okay, this is what I want you to see, but not this. And many people ask me that question too, because in my dating life, I've really, and here I am being self-deprecating, but it's true, outkicked my coverage in terms of very sweet and very attractive women. And people are like, how do you do it? And it's because I have that two months of material (laughs) that I think draws them in where I can be quasi charming, Mm -hmm. but you can only keep that going for so long. But Brian, you have to learn how to be okay with the fact that you can't be that 24-7 and that's okay. That's okay. Did anyone ever tell you that's okay? (laughs) (laughs) I know it's okay, but with every failed relationship and with every issue that I have at home, Mm -hmm. sometimes it tears the scab off a little bit Mm -hmm. and makes it very difficult for me. Well, what I'm thinking is because you're judging yourself for that, it's adding more on top of it. And that's what I'm saying. So if there's a way for you to be a little bit more free about it and embracing it, maybe then you won't feel like you have to go into this place and you'll feel even more anxious about it. Here's one area that I can't figure out, and I want to know if maybe you can shine some light on it. You and I have talked about internet trolls, Mm -hmm. social media, stuff like that. If somebody I don't know at all attacks me, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, it pretty much rolls right off of me. Yeah. But if someone really (laughs) close to me has an issue with me, I'm in the fetal position. Right, right. What do you think is behind that? I don't know. You know, it's interesting when people have self-loathing, a lot of times they put themselves down and they listen to that really critical voice and they beat themselves up. But there's also a side of them that will be overconfident sometimes because it's kind of in reaction to. And I think maybe with other people who you don't know at all, you go into this other mode where you're very confident about what you do and what you're sending out there and you don't really care what they think. And the the weird thing is you, you do care because like you said, they know you better. They know all sides of you. The odd thing is about that too, sometimes when I do get attacked by a stranger, in a sick way, 
I think I borderline enjoy it. Mm. And sometimes I like to engage it. I try to avoid it because that never ends well. Mm -hmm. And you're never going to convert somebody, and especially since I can be pretty good with words (laughs) and defend myself pretty well and just absolutely obliterate and bury somebody. Mm -hmm. And I almost get satisfaction out of that, too. If somebody attacks me, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're going to bring it to me. I'm going to bring it back 10 times as hard and I'm going to leave you in an absolute Mm. puddle. And I know that's really unhealthy and something that I have to keep in check. But I think that that is your way of protecting yourself. You go to that place and when that gets triggered by someone who doesn't know you at all, it fuels that. And then you actually probably do feel good in certain parts of that because you feel confident. You know, you're just like, how dare this person? They don't know anything about me. Now, if it was somebody who knows you, then like you said, that's a vulnerability. Like you feel like, oh my gosh, they might really actually be right about some of this. But if it's someone who doesn't know you, I think that you've taken on some of those traits over the years of maybe people who have had cutting words for you. And maybe you've identified with that and taken on some of that so that when you get attacked, because I can imagine when you get attacked, Brian, especially with (laughs) words like that, you know how to fire back, you Mm -hmm. know? And so sometimes, depending on how you're feeling about certain things, you might actually not be looking for it. But if it crosses your path, that may be something that you fire on because you're like, oh, no, it's not going down like that. As they say, I try to kill a mosquito with a cannonball. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with your words, because you are amazing with words, you're very articulate. And I think that is one of those things where you have a lot of confidence. So that confidence will come out in that way. But there's also that vulnerability, too. You often hear this very trite yet old saying, and it's probably trite and old because there's some truth to it. It's very difficult to love somebody else if you Mm -hmm. don't love yourself. And I know that that doesn't cover things 100%, but I do think there is some truth to that because if you don't love yourself, Mm -hmm. there can be this temptation to try to overwhelm somebody to give you all of that love that you can't give yourself. And that's where you have to find ways to do that. If people come to you like I am right now saying, what's the best way for me to find ways Mm -hmm. to love myself, to see the good in me, what advice would you give? So this is something that I talk to with people all the time about the struggle it is for us to be friends with ourselves because we're really great at knowing how to be a good friend to other people. We can name it right off and it wouldn't include berating them, right? (laughs) Because we know that that's not a good thing in friendship. But yet we don't even think anything of it, putting ourselves down and berating ourselves. So we really have to look at how do I become a friend to myself? How do I extend kindness? A lot of times we might be looking at it like, oh, no, this is weakness if I do that because I'm giving myself a pass. No, you're being a good friend to yourself. And so looking at it through that different lens, for a lot of people, they're like, oh, yeah, I say, well, what would you say to a best friend who is struggling with some of this? They lead with kindness, with understanding, with compassion, with constructive criticism, but not biting comments and berating. And so it's the same thing with ourselves. We need to learn how to do that for ourselves. The good thing is we already know it's just really difficult to start that. And I also say, too, I gave an assignment one day to a woman to stand and look at herself in the mirror and tell herself that she loves herself. Do you know how difficult that is? I bet you can only imagine how difficult that is. That would be so painfully awkward. And isn't that the saddest thing that we could look at ourselves and say any number of horrible things to ourselves in a mirror, but yet we couldn't say even I like you or good job or I love you. How mind blowing is that? So to me, that's like, okay, we need to start somewhere where we can start being kind to ourselves in small ways and notice when we're being 
mean to ourselves and giving ourselves a hard time. One way that I've tried to make some progress is I've tried to look for what I have wrong with me in other people. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you with full confidence that whenever I have a disagreement mm-hmm. with my wife and if I'm critical of her, she will immediately go to this place. Well, I'm just a horrible person. And she just goes to the extreme. And I say to her, this is only a very small part of who you are. Mm-hmm. I adore 99 0.6% of you. It is that four tenths that drives me crazy sometimes. But when I point it out, you make it the 99.6%. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like that's her defense mechanism to say, you're being a jerk, back off. Mm-hmm. I'm not this bad person. So when I see that in other people, it gives me pause. And that kind of puts the mirror on myself yes. where I say, all of these things that I don't like about myself. That doesn't represent 99.6% of who I am. Mm -hmm, Exactly. The thing is, Jungian therapy, you're kind of talking a little bit about that. It's actually very interesting, and I've done this with people. What we see in other people and what we see in the world that we can't tolerate, usually it's some kind of trait that we have that we will not accept in ourselves. So Mm -hmm. when we see it in the world, we just have no tolerance for it. So when you had mentioned before, when we were talking about what do I do to help myself, and also if I don't love myself, how do I love other people? The thing is, it's acceptance. If you have acceptance for all parts of you, even the ugly parts of you, where you can say, oh, here comes, I don't know what you would want to name it, but here comes Mean Brian or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, okay, how can I have compassion for Mean Brian and not berate him, but also say, hey, thank you for the feedback, but not right now, buddy, you know what I mean? Or whatever, having limits. But if you can have acceptance for the places in ourselves that we don't like to accept, then you will start to see, you will have an acceptance of other things in life. And that's how you love people more deeply because you are more accepting of your limitations and the things that come up, but you hold it in a different way and it shifts. And it's really interesting. I really do think that we are all mirrors for each other. We learn what we tolerate, what we love, what we hate, all of these things by looking at other people and what we feel through their behaviors. And trying to avoid that thing, that reverse psychology of projecting your issues Mm -hmm. on other people and making it seem like they're the problem (laughs) as opposed to you being the problem. I'm telling you, this is probably one of the toughest things in therapy that I work with people on because immediately they're like, it's not me, it's them. And I'm like, well, what if? (laughs) And I have to walk very carefully Give me a second. Here for me to put you down. (laughs) Give yourself a break with the self deprecating. And it's really amazing and it really does work. And I've done this work on myself where I've had people, they would just drive me nuts. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's something in me that I cannot sit with that is really driving the boat here. And once I was able to sit with it, even some of the worst traits, you can find things on the flip side that might be helpful for you to be able to accept them. And also not giving yourself a hard time about it, knowing that we're human and we're made up of all of this. But it is. It's fascinating work to do. Now, my question to you would be, Brian, you've done a lot of work with CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, Mm -hmm. which is where you challenge some of your thoughts and your ideas on things. And thoughts are just thoughts, people. Don't believe everything you think. I wish I had a big poster (laughs) in my therapy room. I used to write it out. I had it everywhere. But don't believe everything you think. They're just thoughts. They come from all these different places from where we grew up, people who put us down, all of these things. We don't need to hold on to it. It doesn't mean it's true. Just notice that it's there. Do some meditation, start to learn how to detach from some of these thoughts. But my question to 
you is using CBT, identifying some of these ideas that you have that go to self-loathing. Are you willing to start to look at that and to either detach from some of it and also to change some of the things that you're saying to yourself? I suppose I'm willing. I don't know <laughs> how effective gonna do I'm going to be at it, but I guess I'm willing. If not, I wouldn't be here, correct? Right, right. In my therapy office in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> this couch sucks. <laughs> I can even play you some music Ugh. if you start getting annoyed These with me. These radio station couches, we got to find <laughs> you a new it. office. The one final piece to this very intricate puzzle that maybe you can provide some insight to me on this too, and this doesn't have so much to do with how I feel about myself, mm-hmm. but it is, and we've covered it before, my inability to take a compliment and mm-hmm. how unbelievably uncomfortable I get if people aren't playing along with my deprecating Mm. narrative. If you try to (laughs) fire a love missile at me, Mm -hmm. I'll do everything I can (laughs) to duck and cover. (laughs) Now, how does that make you feel, Brian? (laughs) Throw out my therapy question. How does it make me feel when I get a compliment? Yeah, when a love missile's coming at you. It's probably the most uncomfortable thing I've ever endured. And to be perfectly honest with you, I see it mostly with other performers. Not all of them. Mm -hmm. Some of them. People who I think, if they feel like you're a mentor, it really resonates with them. If they feel like you're an equal, then it really seems to bother them for Mm -hmm. some reason. And I always use the example, I go back to Phil Hartman all the time. Anytime that I would try to thank him and compliment him for mentoring me and bringing me up in the industry, I would see the exact same thing from him. He seemed to be a happier guy, though, and more well-adjusted and wasn't very self-deprecating, but he hid behind characters and voices. A lot of people always said, I don't really feel like I knew who the real Phil was. Mm. I feel like I did, but I think the real Phil, at his essence, was how uncomfortable he was with people telling him how great he was. Is there anything that you recall a time when you did get a compliment, but it stung you in not a good way? Like if they ever turned on you or it came back at you? When somebody genuinely said something nice about me, Mm -hmm. like you mean a backhanded compliment? Like if you couldn't trust it or you felt like it was manipulative or? Hmm. I'd have to think about that for a second. I think one of the ways where maybe I stopped trusting compliments was I would see examples of people telling me something that they thought I wanted to hear because they wanted something from me. Mm -hmm. Or they would tell me how great I was, and when I let my guard down and turn my back on them because I felt comfortable, I got a knife in between the shoulder blades. Mm -hmm. And I've never even really thought of this until you said it. That Mm -hmm. made me real suspicious of people's agendas when it came to presenting me with a compliment. Is this legitimate or is this just somebody telling me something that I want to hear for whatever reason, be it just to simply boost my mood Mm -hmm. or because they want to take me out at the knees at a very vulnerable time. So your body was aware of that. So when you do get compliments, you start to generalize like, oh, remember those times. You start to tense up. Oh, what's coming after this? Like, you're saying this to me now, but what are you going to ask for later? Or that kind of the twist and stick or something, you know what I mean? What's coming at me? So that could be one of the reasons why you have that reaction to it. I think you also don't trust the compliments because you probably don't feel in control when you are the one, like you said, controlling the narrative on everything makes you feel more confident and makes you feel better. If somebody's coming at you with something, you're not sure. Are they trying to get 
something from me or are they genuine or am I going to let them down? Do they believe something that I'm not so sure is true? They're saying something really nice to me. Sometimes I'll feel that. I'll be like, oh, they're saying this, but they don't really know that I'm not perfect in this way or that way. And I'm sure there is a percentage of people who are listening to me right now who are saying, what is wrong with this lunatic? Why can't somebody say something nice about him? And how does it not resonate in a positive way? I think the best thing that I can compare it to, the best example I can give you, when somebody presents you with a gift and you open it up Mm -hmm. and you kind of sort of like it, but you don't love it, but you feel this pressure to act as if it's the best gift in the world. Yeah. That's how I feel every single time I get With a, a compliment. compliment. Yeah. Do you not fully buy into it, what they're saying to you? Part of it, or I just feel pressure that I need to react in a way to validate what they're saying, as opposed to being concerned about ah. me feeling good about the compliment. I want them to feel good about mm. presenting the compliment, and right. I don't feel like I'm doing a good enough job. There might be something like that So it goes like back that to play. you your performance in it. Like, was I good enough in validating them in telling me a compliment? It does get complicated. That's the thing. And I think just opening that up and being able to sit with that and realizing where it all comes from, rather than just being like, I have this feeling and I don't know why. But I think having that reflection is really important because again, Brian, you can talk to yourself about the fact that you don't need to have a performance on that. They're giving this to you. Just like to one of my friends, my friend Maggie, she could not take a compliment. I said, Maggie, just say, thank you. (laughs) That's all you have to say. Thank you. (laughs) We would laugh about it now because she'll be like, thank you. (laughs) And I go, I know it hurts you to say it. But to me, you're somebody who's very generous. You'll give compliments and all of this. If you're in that cycle, it's also important for you to be able to receive it because people feel good when they can give people a compliment and when they can give that love missile, as you call it. So being part of that cycle also means that you can't just give. You also have to learn how to receive. And part of that is breaking this down a little bit as far as like where this uncomfortableness comes from. Love Missile sounds like a movie I made back in the 80s when I was a struggling actor. <laughs> we have a lot of humor in therapy too, I have to tell you. So, <laughs> But I also have to say this too. I feel like for as much as I belittle myself mm-hmm. with the self-deprecating thing, my knee jerk is to belittle the compliment and to disarm yeah. that too. Mm-hmm. And why that is... You're just a disarming machine over here. I'm disarming it all. (laughs) Well, Courtney, this has been very beneficial, but to really simulate the therapy experience, Mm -hmm. I'm afraid our time is up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. For real, real is when you walk over to the door and hold on to the handle and say, oh, but one more thing. (laughs) (laughs) And then real, real, real is when Courtney says, your copay is $20. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. something. Put it on my tab. (laughs) (laughs) But no. Hopefully a lot of people can relate to this and listening to this. And thank you so much for your honesty, Brian. I mean, you were always honest. Oh, no, I just gave you a compliment. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but Nailed by a love missile on my way out. Bang, you didn't even know it was coming. Hit you right upside the head. <laughs> <laughs> Took one right to the chops. <laughs> but I do think it's important for people to sit with this. This is such an important thing is to try to be friends with yourself. Extend that kindness to yourself. And I really think that it'll help you to feel better about your relationships in general. 
channel. You'll have more patience and more compassion with them too. Well, here's the good news. I just Facebook poked myself. (laughs) It felt a lot better than that love missile. (laughs) Courtney, for anybody else who hates themselves, how can they get in touch with you? If you need to get in touch with me, wellness at wctk.com. You can also go to Wellness Wednesday, our page on catcountry.com. We do an episode each week on a mental health topic, and you can feel free to look at some of our resources there and listen up to episodes. At Cat Country Mornings on all of the socials that you can possibly imagine. We also have individual pages. Brian Mulhern, Brian with an I-H-E-R-N, Courtney Kelly, Courtney with a C, and an E-Y for the Kelly, or Courtney Kelly Bedard. I know, you have to say this now because of the Kardashians, all the Ks. I know, I was K thinking about that the other day. People ask me that all the time. Is it Courtney with the I said, I'm not a Kardashian, it's a C. <laughs> you wonder why I hate all the Brian Adams with that Y in the middle. I know, Now right? you're dealing with the K. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Brian's with a Y more than I hate myself. <laughs> Maybe that should be next week's episode. And I certainly hope you will join us for that episode, Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. Thanks, Courtney. Thank you. I want to